Welcome to In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga Training. I'm your host, Harriet, yoga teacher and founder of Nourish. Today, I'm being joined virtually from Chicago by Suze Hammond. Suze is an award-winning tea educator, professional tea skills trainer, and tea contemplative and spiritual practitioner based in Chicago in the US. She is the founder of Being Tea, an education-focused business offering interactive online learning and a first-of-its-kind professional teacher training program. My chat with Suze almost pretty much confirmed that we're going to have to have longer episodes in season three because we could have talked for so much longer. We covered the process of non-linear learning, how we bring together our transferable skills and the power of practice. Suze and I share an approach to pedagogy that I found so inspiring to talk through. I can't wait to share this episode with you. So do have a listen. Let us know what you think. And here's my chat with Suze. Hi, Suze. Welcome to In Our Experience. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, So we're going to get started with the same question that I begin every episode with, which is what's nourishing you this week? And this can be something small and silly. It can be something serious. Uh, And to help you out, I'll share mine first. So at the moment, we've been experiencing some really lovely, cool, crisp mornings here. So with like a frost and a beautiful sunrise that I have really been enjoying. And and yesterday, I'm not sure how how much of a thing it is in in the US potentially, but yesterday was um, Imbolc, which is a Gaelic, Mm. uh, sort Mm -hmm. of a Gaelic turning of the year where it's like spring begins and that feeling of like the sap rising and the light returning, I am just so joyful about. So that's what's been nourishing me. Uh, How about you? Mm. Yeah, interestingly, um, so yesterday was also the beginning of Lunar New Year, um, which for tea folks is also particularly auspicious time too, you know, because we're so aligned with what is happening in the places where tea comes from. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting to put these, these kind of portals over each other and, and notice what is happening in our world. Um, I think for me, you know, just, I spent a lot of time at the end of the year, really looking forward to the next year and starting to plan some things out and thinking about what does and does not work about the setup that I have or the ideas I wanted to do or things like that. And before like taking that action before getting into when things are so busy, you know, uh, so that I can reflect on that in the moment and come back to it. And it's already been really helpful for me to just look back on, you know, some things I said I needed to create more space. So creating more space around uh, how I work and how much I take on, uh, that's been really helpful to have some of those things already verbalized, you know, even if it's just to me, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, to to protect that time, because this is the time of year where things start to get really quite busy. And um, we don't spend very much time looking reflectively at how fast we're going. Mm. I, I really, really hear that. I am a big believer in, uh, like, 
uh, I want to call it like naming practice in in the mm. sense of like uh so essentially I'm like a secret Zen Buddhist <laughs> and uh but it's sort of been my main my main contemplative practice for for quite a long time now and there's a real tradition of like you know you name you name what's happening when you sit yes um and this but it sort of filters out into the rest of my life and and in in ways that you're describing as well where you can sort of step back and you can name the things and write them down and verbalize them and even if it's just for you there's a power in giving something a name and then you can relate to it and then you can sort of do something about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I would love to hear a little bit about your your background and how you would describe what you do because I am absolutely fascinated by what you do and <laughs> and your and your your business your 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 sort of community um so yeah I would love to hear about about that uh, actually first I'd like to ask you what what is it about it that um that is fascinating to you because I get told in in that way I get a lot of people who say that and I'm always curious because I'm just in it so much Mm. what is it from that perspective that is just so curious because it it helps me to kind of think on a little bit more on what to say about everything because there is there is a lot to go into there is a yeah so I think I think on on one level, what I'm always uh, seeing in the work that you put out there, whether it's on your Instagram or uh, your website or, you know, I've done a few of your uh, tea, tea sort of contemplation sessions, I guess, um, is that there's just so much heart. Like there's a real warmth and depth to what you do, which I am always curious about when I see it in in people and what they're offering um as well there's a a quiet consistency about what you do as well like there's it's very clear to me that there are some there are values that or or values or ways of working that you're really interested in that you are applying consistently behind the scenes and as somebody else who also does that I'm like oh I like I clock it when I see it in somebody else um and then, and then also just like the, the subject matter is fascinating to me as well. Cause I love tea and I love contemplation practice and yoga and you seem to bring all of those things together. So yeah, I think that's my answer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so I guess I'll, yeah, I'll share a little bit about that by kind of looking at, if I may offer up some kind of turning points for me, Please. I think as to where some of those things came up from, um, I think is a, a helpful way to frame it because, you know, the the work that I do, it's uh, it's not like something that there's a job description for and you go apply for that job. <laughs> you know, it's something that you, you create. And so to understand how someone creates something like that and why, um, I think is helpful for people who are kind of looking for their own way in the world and wondering what it is that they should be doing and and how, how you do that. And I'm still figuring it out. Um, I have been self-employed for seven years now, um, under the name being T. So that's the name of my business. It's an education business that, um, basically I teach about T full time. 
So I teach classes on brewing and sensory enjoyment and technical skills of tea, as well as contemplative practice with tea, so tea meditation. And I started that work because I needed a place that was more aligned with with those values, right? With um, what I saw in tea, what I wanted to work with, right? So like fully half of my work now is teaching tea meditation and tea for contemplative practice. Whereas before, um, you know, that that was not really part of what I was able to express publicly. It wasn't really in the, in the boundaries of my work. Mm. Um, so previously to starting being tea, uh, I... You know, I've worked in the tea industry for almost 20 years, and so I worked as an educator and a trainer for a number of different companies and trade association groups. So I spent about 13 years doing that, and that's wonderful work. I really, um, I'm very proud of the work that I did then. I I loved the connections I made and getting to see tea on a, a bigger scale like that. And just being able to get out there, just use some of those skills of teaching workshops and creating experiences and troubleshooting for people like, you know, wholesale customers that are serving tea in their place and they want to do a better job and we're looking at their setup and things like that. Um, But after a while, I started to know that there was this friction between what tea meant for me personally and how I practiced it and my professional side of how I presented it. Right. (laughs) Uh, Because for me personally, you know, I um, was a student of uh, Japanese tea ceremony and I practiced tea on a more uh, like a a quieter level. Mm. You know, I meditated with tea. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, who just passed away this last week for us, uh, is a root teacher of mine. I take a lot of inspiration uh, from his teachings and and follow that tradition. Uh, Zen Buddhism in the Vietnamese tradition. And there wasn't really a space for talking about that professionally, Mm. even like within the boundaries of when we say that tea as a meditation practice is good for your mental health, right? Like just bare minimum, let's just acknowledge that it helps support mental health, right? Let alone getting into the spirituality of it. Mm. Most of the time when we're talking about health benefits of tea, in the industry, from a trade perspective, we're talking about things that you can make a claim on a label, you know, the antioxidant content, uh, things like that. Like the, this kind of what's in it for me approach. And I just didn't like that friction. It just felt, um, it felt like there are two different versions of myself. And so that's when I made this shift from being someone's employee, (laughs) you know, and and teaching within that boundary to I'm going to do this for myself now um, and create that. And previously to tea, so going back 20 years ago, uh, I was a journalist. So that's where some of the, like, the work of research and storytelling and communications and connections comes from. Um, I was a newscast producer, so I produced live television shows. Um, newscasts. And so being able to work in an environment where you're under pressure, but you have to be very present with what you're doing because people are, you know, watching it in real time unfold. And you have to be 
aware of the emotions of what you're offering, right? Like your entire show can't be just talking about all the horrible things in the world. <laughs> you know, it's like emotionally, it's not balanced for people. And it's, um, it, it's not very good ratings when you do that, because people could feel that yeah. they want to tune out. <laughs> you know? um, so some of those things became relevant when I became a teacher. Mm. Um, you know, and working with people in real time and in a very small way. And um, I made that shift from one field to another because as much as I liked working in journalism and um, I think some of the the aspirational values of that, it was just too stressful for me. Ultimately, I couldn't maintain that. I did that for about four or five years. And it was incredibly stressful. Um, and, you know, tea and also at that time, coffee, they were my practices on the side that were just little spaces where I could go and rest and reconnect with myself and just be quiet. I would always have tea out on the patio before my show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a way of just like calming. Uh -huh. um, and so when I initially started working with tea, um, it was meant to be a temporary thing. Okay. You know, I worked in the coffee and tea industry. Yeah, it was meant to be like, a, I'm figuring out my life kind of thing. What am I going to do? <laughs> and then very quickly, like a couple years in, I was just like, oh, no, this is where this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and I didn't look back. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That was, that was really, really lovely to listen to. It's interesting how these, like, so, sometimes these seemingly disparate spheres of our life often end up coalescing in a really profound way. So sort of similarly to you, I, I, sort of accidentally yoga has become my 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 <laughs> profession um I was sort of quite set on a on a pathway into academia so I was in I well, was um I'm, I'm not sure um, at the present tense quite applies but like I'm a trained art historian and I was sort of very much going down a like a I guess academic academic route um and I'd been, you know, practicing yoga for a very long time, but had never really considered it being my full life's work. And yeah, it was just sort of meant to be something on the side uh, whilst I did my master's. And it has sort of, you know, taken over, taken over, which I'm really happy about. And like, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be an academic now, but you know, this, the skills that I developed around, you know, research and critical thinking and communication and also, you know, the best thing to come out of my time in academia was realizing that I loved teaching. Um, because I taught, I taught first years, while I was, while I was in postgrad and I loved it. I, I loved it so much. And, and to sort of begin to develop those skills, you know, outside of yoga, I think was actually really important to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So yeah, a lot of what you were sharing was really, was really resonating. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, um, a light bulb moment that I really like seeing go off for people when they realize that something from either their current or their previous iteration of what they do is, is really affecting them in the now. Um, mm -hmm. I also offer teacher training for people who 
want to be able to connect and and share tea and maybe they have tea experience like professionally or just really strongly in their life but they don't have a teaching background because mm-hmm. nobody teaches you how to teach right <laughs> you know you just kind of end up doing it um and to be able to just study pedagogy is such a such a joy and such a love um and I remember sharing with my my former executive producer from way back in the day that I had developed like one of the modules in our program is around lesson plan development and, you know, time and, and having a more comfortable relationship with time. Like you tell somebody you have an hour for this class and you're like, what, what do we do with these 60 minutes? How long mm-hmm. is something supposed to take? Right. Mm-hmm. And that module, the, the way that I teach that is using a tool that we use um, in the newsroom for building a show. Oh, like how you stack the stories in order and how you time things and how you start to think about moving things around in a live broadcast. And I told my executive producer I was using that to teach tea classes and she just like got the biggest kick out of that. She thought that was so cool. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's really right? cool. Like it's so transferable. Yeah. It's so transferable. And sometimes we think that these things are so completely separate and they're not, you know, no, no they're not. I mean, I, it's, it's really, this is a pet, uh, a pet project of mine because I think one of one of the things that I've recently had an aha moment about in my work was that I don't know. So I I teach lots of different things. Like I teach two hundred hour yoga teacher trainings, and I teach restorative, and I teach pregnancy, and I sort of like there's it's a quite broad. I'm quite a broad teacher, and I was having a bit of a a moment, not so much imposter syndrome, but a consistent worry for mine for a little while has been like, am I too broad? Do I need to like, mm. like just taper slightly or edit what I yeah. offer? And then I realized I was having a conversation with, um, conversation with a couple of colleagues and I realized through this conversation that what I am most interested in is pedagogy like how yeah. we teach <laughs> so the yep. fact that I'm interested in how we teach means that I end up teaching lots of different things and that's okay yeah because, exactly <laughs> because the the interest in the interest in pedagogy and I think for me the interest in I guess the potential for a more transformative relationship to pedagogy is something that I'm really interested yeah. in. Like how do we how do we teach in ways that can feel caring and collaborative and non-hierarchical, but still the teacher holds the space and is the container for the space are all things that I think about a lot. Absolutely. Um, Me too. I love it. I really love thinking about it because, you know, the way that, so most of how I learned about tea, because often folks will ask how you learn this kind of thing. Mm. um, A lot of my learning was, it was on the job and it was experiential, right? It was being at the tasting table and cupping tea all the time. It was serving tea to people and brewing it. It was learning how to teach others, like teach my colleagues about it. It was having my own tea practice. It was just living it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the way typically that, you know, in a, in a trade environment, industry environment, that tea is taught, like on that kind of quick path, right, that condensed learning style is like a certification program, <laughs> you know, the equivalent of like the 200 hour, yeah. you know, yoga program. Um, and, you know, that's magically supposed to prepare you to teach or not necessarily teach, but to, to work in it. Mm. And it, it, you know, it kind of doesn't fully do that. You know, um, these certification programs are, 
they're like this download of really intense all of the information. They're not super customized. Um, and it takes away a lot of that really experiential component. I mean, like, yes, you taste tea during it. And I, you know, I worked for some of those programs. I wrote and taught material for some of them. So I, I, I have an appreciation for what they, the place that they serve, but it doesn't replace the, the need to be really experiential with what you do. And you need a daily practice and you need to just be, as it were, just steeped in it, right? Like <laughs> really thinking about it. And, and that gets missing so much in education, right? And so that was one of the reasons why in the, in the classes that I teach, in the program, you know, the program structure that I've created in my business, things aren't in a hierarchical order. You can take them in any order. There's no testing. There's no grading. Um, everything is structured so that you could truly jump in at any point and, and just learn and just get going. Because I had been tasked with for, you know, like I said, 13 years, creating that very linear structure for companies and for organizations over and over again, doing the same structure, because that's just how people think that this is how we learn. There's an A to B to C and D. Mm. And I was like, I'm so tired of this because that's actually not the best way. <laughs> like it serves a purpose, but that's not how I learned. I didn't do it that way. None of my mentors learned that way. Um, and so I was like, I'm not going to teach this way anymore. And so my teacher training program also, I'm like, I, I don't encourage people to teach that way. I'm like, there's plenty of people who do and plenty of organizations who do, but there's, there's so much need out here for folks who are not looking for that, for folks who are looking for something that is more your lived embodied experience of it. And there's value in that. You know, we had been conditioned to kind of think that that's, oh, that's not as important because it doesn't come with their certificate or doesn't come from an organization or a school or whatever. It's like, well, that's, that's actually the lived life stuff. That stuff is really important. <laughs> uh, I just, I couldn't tell you how much I agree with everything that you're saying. Also, you could be describing any yoga teacher training program as well. Absolutely. There's yeah. this real emphasis on, I mean, I think like, in, in a sentence, the biggest issue with teacher training programs is that they teach yoga, but they don't teach you how to teach. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I wrote my program similar to you, like it was because it was the it was the training that I wish I could have taken. And likewise, it's non-sequential. You can take the modules in any order. Um, there's no grades, there's no test, there's reflective work, but it's not, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just needs to be done. Um, and yeah. And I think as well, this emphasis on uh, practice and lived experience is just so crucial. You know, I get trainees who are so earnest and they're so excited and they ask me like, what, what can I do to get ready for the training or what's with like, what books do I need to read? My answer to them is always, I don't want you to read a book. I want you to practice. Like yeah, the best yeah. thing you can do to support your, your, your learning journey and your, your journey towards becoming a teacher is practice practice in all sorts of different ways, practice with all sorts of different people. It could be for five minutes a day. It could be for five hours. I don't care. Like, but practice is, 
it's it's so essential but because as you say because we're conditioned like you can't put it in a book and you can't right you can't sell it right so mm-hmm. you know we don't value it it seems like it's not as valued yeah and i just it's i think the missing ingredient for you know for so many people yeah yeah and you know so in in my space i I basically teach with, I guess, like two different groups, you could say, like the, the I have a kind of like the general education, you know, program where people can come and uh, take those classes, right? The ones that are in any order and kind of whatever your interest is, if you want it to be more sensory skills or if you want more meditation and contemplative work. And then I have the teacher training program. And, you know, interestingly, I realized earlier, like, or this last year working with, um, uh, with a business coach of mine that something like 90% or 95% of the people who will sign up for teacher training with me are people who were members first, people who are in the community first, or they'd had some other education experience with me. They weren't just random people who were like, oh, I, you know, I want to get a certificate in this and come do this. And I realized that I think that's because people come to this space and they get a sense for that style and that it that it is really different, right? When you are not teaching in a linear order, but you're emphasizing the continuing circular nature of things, right? That we, we come to knowledge over and over and over again. We don't just learn something once and we practice, right? Like this space is all about practicing RT. You know, you don't just take the one class on this, you know, like oolongs of Taiwan. And that's the only time we ever talk about that. Right. Um, And I think when people experience that and if they're at all interested in, in teaching and in pedagogy and they have a tea background and they're like, you know, I would like to do something like this, then that kind of plants that seed, you know, of a, a teacher training would be the space to learn that. Mm. Um, and it is such a different style. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. I've legit had people who signed up for the general ed member program who this was really early on before I think I started getting really clear about how I describe what the space is. I realized how important that was because people would be like, there's no tests. <laughs> there's no, there's no like workbooks. There's no, you know, like, how there's no recommended reading of them. I'm supposed to do this first before taking this course. I'm like, I didn't learn that way. I'm not going to No, I'm sorry. It's not. If you want that. Yes. There's spaces that do that. I don't teach that way. <laughs> it's amazing. Fortunately, much- now that's less common, but <laughs> yeah. uh, initially it was just, it was kind of a bummer. Cause I was just like, Oh man, no one gets it. <laughs> yeah. People just, people just really want, they just, they just want that test. They want that external validation. You're like, I can't give they you that. Do. They're like, can't, can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I love what you're saying about we, you know, we circle back on knowledge all of the time. And one of the things that I often think about is that these journeys are spirals. So you, like you circle back on the same knowledge again, but with a spiral, you also go deeper as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's something in there about if we think about concepts like um, karma or dharma, like there's there's something in in that as well about like the revolution of our life, the revolution of our our spirit and our mind. And then when we engage with that, you know, if we can engage in a learning process that 
mirrors the sort of uh, spiralic nature of our, I don't know, of our being, then there can be this really wonderful like sort of alchemy that happens and that and like that's the space where where transformation happens right is where you know your 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 spirit gets met with the process as well i guess yeah yeah and you know again like that's something that's just is not emphasized and it's not taught um in a lot of spaces too you know like i i love studying um, education and pedagogy so much that I, I try to take trainings and programs and read books and, and such in, in other spaces, you know, to just learn and absorb that. It was one of the reasons why I did a, a 200 hour yoga teacher training myself. The program here in the U S was one of the first to focus, um, from a trauma informed lens mm. and specifically centering psychological, um, uh, psychologically sensitive teaching techniques for mm. a variety of audiences. And I immediately saw how that would apply to, to my work, even though I don't, I don't teach yoga, but I'm, you know, having that background um, as a practitioner, as well as somebody who, you know, I teach meditation and contemplative work. I am working with folks in their bodies. It was really helpful. Mm. Um, and, so, you know, I like spending time in, in education spaces and just realizing how we don't talk very much about like that continuing journey of revisiting something, you know, and it, it is it is so important. There's no way you can pick up something that first time around or even the second or third time around. It's the the continuation of it. You know, one of the ways I explain this to folks in teacher training, actually, so they can really understand like why this is such an important concept is in the tea world, the, the springtime season is one of the busiest times of year for tea, right? It's, it's the first harvest of the season. It's a, when a lot of the kind of the good stuff really comes out. So think of like all the baby spring vegetables, right? That we love so much, right? We love spring and it's the same thing in tea too. So this begins in like early March and runs till like late April, early May, depending on the region of the world. And so if you're, let's say if you have a tea company and you're, so you buy the teas that you sell and the way that process goes typically is you receive samples, um, of the teas that are available. They could be directly from the farm or they could be from an importer that you work with, but you receive samples at that time of year when those teas are available. Right. So they're just like super fresh tea, fresh cookies out of the oven. Right. Mm. <laughs> and let's say if you are tasting teas from uh, Darjeeling, which is a very famous area in uh, North India for its tea. Um, very famous spring teas that just get snapped up like fresh cookies every year. And so you get a table full of the fresh Darjeeling that's available and you have this brief moment tasting these teas and really connecting with them and, and thoughtfully considering what would work best for, for your customers and which ones really kind of call to you this year. You have this one shot to pick the teas that you want to, to buy for this year. Cause they're going to be gone. They're spring teas and they don't last very long. Now let's say you have been the, the owner of your business and the tea buyer for your business for like 10 years. Okay. So on one hand, 10 years is a really long time, right? That's um, in that kind of, one mode of thinking that 
I think maybe has been a little bit debunked, but it's still a popular thing to say. Like the 10 years equates to like the 10,000 hours of practice, right? <laughs> that one is an expert, right? Um, but uh, so on one hand, it is a long time. On the other, the way that I ask folks to think about this is that's just 10 times that you have come to the tasting table and had those fresh spring teas from Darjeeling. Just 10 times. That's not a whole lot. Right, like ten times that you have gotten to revisit this this region in this moment and and make this decision, right? And so you need to have spaces and practices that invite you to repeat in a way that's not remedial. Mm. They invite you to repeat in a way that is necessary and is actually functionally part of what you do because that's the only way that you're going to get deeper in it. It's not about progression and like getting to a certain point, right? Cause you could again, be doing this for 10 years and you're still, you've got so much further that you can go. Right. So it's not a mile marker. It's just going deeper, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I, yeah, I, I love this idea of non, non-remedial spaces as well because I think where it's one of the issues that I see in yoga practitioners a lot is that there's this real remedial approach to practice where um you know they're there to fix something or address something or heal something and it's not that that's like that's not a bad motivation to practice but in terms of building a rich like like building a richness or building a relationship to practice that's going to serve you throughout the the whole course of your life. Like it's sort of, it, it, it lacks depth and it lacks, um, you know, juice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're constantly just looking at what is wrong with people and what you could fix about them and you're not looking at what is right about them. Yeah. Um, and teaching them to look for what is right in themselves, you know, and what is comfortable, right? Like to go to be in a pose or in a position because this supports you and, mm. you know, possibly if appropriate for that day challenges you in a way that you need, then that's enough, mm. right? Why would we then put on top of that this kind of external pressure of what the, the teacher wants from you? Because right? it's not about them. Yeah. They have their own practice. Yes. Like take this into your own personal practice and work on it. Do not take it out on your students. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, r- rather shockingly, we are we are basically at the end of our time. I know, so it's gone, it's literally gone in the, the the blink of an eye. Um, I feel and I feel like we've barely um, barely scratched the surface. But before we before we end, um, where can where can our listeners find you and see what you're up to? So um, I'm on. Most social media, mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook. Um, I lurk on Twitter. I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm there and you can follow me. I don't really tweet that much. I'm a lurker, but I'm very, I'm active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can find me at being T. So it's being like human being, uh, being T. And my website is being T.com. Uh, and folks can also email me anytime at hello at being T.com if they'd like to chat about tea or uh, just get a sense more for what a tea journey might look like. You know, again, my my space is open to everybody on that path, right? You could be a complete beginner in tea and, you know, just been like, I've heard about this tea thing and I think I'd be interested in drinking more, but I don't know where to start. Or you could be somebody who works in it and is looking for um, 
that continuing education support, that mm. personal development that, you know, maybe because I've been there, maybe your company doesn't give it to you. Mm. <laughs> you know, you need spaces that nourish and water your own education needs. Uh, so it's here for that, too. Well, thank you so much, Suze. I feel like you're my twin, but in tea <laughs> instead of yoga. <laughs> um, well, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and, and thank you again for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much for the invite. Really appreciate talking with you. I love talking about education. <laughs> Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out, why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.